Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Scott Chaloner. This podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating those people who keep this country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organisation and to support them in the same way that they support their staff every single day of the week. Now, if you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, then please do go to leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Now, each week on this show, I'm joined by a different CEO, CFO, COO, director, secretary, chairman or president perhaps in the aim of truly discovering who those people are that get up every morning and make this country work. We get their take on the current economic and political landscape of the UK and discuss everything from putting yourself through the paces to providing premium living spaces and of course the success and innovation that makes it all worthwhile in the end. Now, my guest on today's programme is Ian Taylor, CFO at Nest. Originally established in 2012 as B2B Properties and now trading under the Nest brand, the Berkshire-based business provides premium living spaces for students and young professionals and is committed to exceeding expectation at every stage. Uh, Ian, very warm welcome to yourself today and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, so certainly turned into um, a nice day for it, hasn't it? And symbolic, hopefully, of uh, better times to come in these pandemic times. Um, and with that in mind, Ian, I feel it would be remiss of me not to ask you just to what extent COVID-19 has affected you and your business. Thank you. Uh, at the, the risk of stating the obvious, and I like your parallel with the British weather, these are very uncertain times and have been. We're now seeing a, uh, a much clearer way forward. I think the, the term, the new normal, is now getting to be uh, taken as shorthand for how one will manage and run our businesses uh, going forward. And it's a challenge that we are very excited about and looking forward to, to embracing. And just thinking about, um, sorry to sort of cut you off there, Ian, but just thinking about that new normal in a little bit more detail, how do you actually envision the workplace of the future being? Do you think that the conventional office environment as we knew it pre-pandemic could ever return in vogue? Or do you think we'll see a much more flexible and remote working model being the way of things? Uh, To your first point, I I really don't it going back to the normality that existed beforehand. Um, A lot of what's happening to us has been technically available for a long time. What this has really accelerated is the cultural shift of organizations at every level to, to embrace the technology and the ways of working that are around us. I've got no massive percentages for how much office space might become available, but the figure I've heard around that the property business is perhaps a third of the space no longer being required. Mm. Uh, Some companies have gone wholly virtual. Others in the press have said that they still intend to operate as before. I think the, the quality of life and the changes in management style that have occurred over the last 12 months 
means this has now become what we're taking as shorthand for the new normal. And um, and for you, yeah, your mate. personal leadership team and your staff, when you've had to sort of adapt to the to the changes that this new reality has brought how has it been uh, from that point of view um, has it been an easy transition into this new way of working or has it been a little bit more complicated it's been an evolution um, I think that the two watchwords that the senior management uh, have to bear in mind and we we use with each other as well as with all of our uh, staff and the subcontractors we we work with is firstly the need for greater empathy with where they're coming from because all of the non-verbal signals that come from meeting people face-to-face aren't generally present, and the need to communicate uh, more often, more frequently, and perhaps more deeply than we would have done previously. That's now become a very conscious part of the new management style that we are invoking right from the start. And what, um, and what the pandemic certainly has done in that sense is really amplify the importance of mental health, isn't it? And I can imagine that's something that's had to be at the forefront of your strategy during this time. Indeed. Uh, and as well as mental health, um, we also take a far greater interest and, uh, and an empathetic understanding of uh, physical health as well to make mm. sure people are out and about doing things uh, of the social environment in which they're they're living and and working and having to do things, and also to make sure that they've got no particular financial worries that uh, might serve as a, a big distraction, which perhaps people aren't always as open about as they they might otherwise choose to be, and that can take some. Uh, some while to build up through empathy and so on uh, an understanding of what the pressures are on individuals especially when you can't see them and be around them all the time it's been a significant challenge hasn't it maintaining that communication certainly from a distance and leading from afar in that sense um in terms of learning how to adapt to that um has your leadership style, would you say, had to maybe change over the course of the year, the last 12 months at all? Uh, very, very much so. I think the two uh, takeaways that I would like to contribute to this, uh, this discussion is firstly, very much putting yourselves in the, in the shoes of the person you're talking with and understand what are the issues as they would see it based on what they they should know or what we've told them or other areas going on to make sure that it's it's far more it's it's changed the style from what you might loosely term control to to certainly a far more trust uh transparency based open relationship and that's something which we we are conscious of in terms of how to um how to help the staff and help everybody feel positive through everything that's going on. Do you think that maybe pre-pandemic there was something of a mental block between a business owner, perhaps 
trusting some of their staff members to be as productive working from home as maybe they would be in an office environment and that's something that maybe we've now overcome over the course of the last year uh, I think that's a very good point and yes I would agree with that uh, we're having to uh, ensure that the skill levels are adequate to make sure they can be far more self-reliant than before so they can't just lean on somebody else to get something done, whether it's getting the Zoom and the IT to work at home. It's um, the number of people that have learned more about Wi-Fi in the last 12 months than they ever learned before is remarkable. Uh, making sure that their uh, broadband is adequate, but that they've got somewhere to, to work and they can create a mental environment that works for them. So, of course, getting everybody sort of working from home comfortably has been incredibly important. But once, of course, that sort of system and structure is in place, how has it been then maintaining the same levels of customer service and things from there? Um, The good part and the bad part is our customers are generally in the same boat that we are. So they're also having to adapt. I think the, the watchword across all of this is, keeping an open mind and being agile. We we believe we're in a better position. Uh, I've got some, some background in, in the tech business, so I'm quite used to both the technology itself, but also the culture of change that comes about with new technology. So that's an area that we are slightly more comfortable with than many other people, so we can use the tools and we can concentrate on the task at hand rather than just worried about how to make the basics work. Um, that's, but the, the main change, I think, is brought about to get people to make decisions of the ones that we would want to make, with perhaps being more open about the business, about reconfirming the strategy, about confirming our expectations more explicitly than perhaps we did before. Mm. So, uh, again, down to the communications uh, daily, weekly, monthly, to make sure that everyone knows what's expected of them, uh, to check that they've got the tools and resources and the backups they feel they need so that we can all move forward together. And sort of shifting focus away from internally within the business now to that sort of target market, if you will. Fundamentally, what it is that you do at Nest is you provide premium accommodation to students and young professionals. Now, I can imagine that given the impact of the pandemic, a lot of that target market has been really reviewing and reconsidering what it is that they want from their living space. Is that something certainly that you've seen as well? Uh, Very definitely. And of course, with both students and young professionals, they're going through a period of immense upheaval. And so whilst at the end of the day they end up being a line on the spreadsheet or uh, an entry into the uh, the journals, each one of them has a whole different set of circumstances. What we, we do and what the whole team do is spend more time understanding the situation and circumstances of each of our tenants. Um, on the, the wider market side, we break that down into to three headings, uh, supply side, demand side, and the financial environment in which we're operating. Uh, supply side has got very tight. 
the amount of property available to buy to uh, bring into the portfolio has got uh, there's more demand and uh, perhaps less availability than in the past. So that that's tightened, which is really matched by the fact that demand, in the broadest sense, has been strong. Um, whether people are afraid to make big decisions and so they're happier to make small decisions or what. Uh, but uh, across the, the buy side and the rental side, demand has held really much stronger than one might have uh, expected. Um, sad but true, one of the, the sectors been growing is the number of couples who've been splitting up. And so what was previously one accommodation now becomes two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, and the financial markets, having been very tight through the second half of last year, I think of now uh, both with the uh, improving economic situation and with um, perhaps uh, a revised way of understanding how they're going to work, money is now becoming far more widely available than it was before as well. So overall, I would say that it's... Uh, and it's a healthy market. It's a strong market. Uh, and I think overall, most people in our sector would say that they're doing far better than they might have expected nine months ago. That's certainly very encouraging for the uh, the future, isn't it? And just considering that maybe nine months ago, like it was almost impossible to sort of envision how businesses, certainly within your industry, might have gotten to this point. Thinking back to sort of the thick of the pandemic, if you will, what is it that really sort of inspired you as business leaders going forward, do you think? We still see a very strong social element to what we do. We, in the, in the widest sense, we're kind of an enabling technology. We enable people to to live a life and to live uh, to fulfil their ambitions mm. by making uh, a quality uh, accommodation available. So we see it very much as being part uh, of the bigger human uh, progression in life. And so, whilst landlords in general have quite often got bad press we see and we have good relationships with 90x percent of all the clients and all the tenants we deal with Uh, we see it very much as a shared endeavor rather than one against the other Um, so we're we are quite comfortable that our role in society is clear and, and understood, and we try and share that passion with all the people that work for us as well to make sure they they view it in that way rather than any other. I can certainly see where you're coming from from that point of view, for sure, because there is quite often this demonisation of landlords. I think you're absolutely right. And do you think that maybe... COVID-19 in one sense has really captured more of a community spirit during this time, that we are all in this together and that's something that can really be pushed forward as a positive as we eventually come out of this and really maintained. I I think that's... Uh, I think I'd say that's a bit selective. Some people very much feel that they're part 
of a team, but most people don't um, don't see that bigger picture. Mm. Most people still uh, very much take a, a smaller, more localised view in terms of their own particular situation rather than the bigger macro view of everything that's going on. So maybe part of that translation is part of what we need to do to help uh, take some of the bigger effects that are happening and make sure that people are comfortable weekly, monthly, um, in in their own situation. Um, that's very few people that w- we deal with take the long-term view. Most mm. people take a very short-term view. Mm, that certainly makes sense sir, from my point of view and just dwelling on sort of leadership figures in just a little bit more detail now um do you think that the experience of coming through a crisis like COVID-19 is eventually going to be beneficial to one's development because pushing the boundaries and being forced out of your comfort zone is an experience that can ultimately galvanise you. And we always say never let a good crisis go to waste. Do you think that those that have made it through this are going to be much better off for that experience despite the trauma of this last 12 months? Uh, Yes. I think that the emphasis on the well-being of all all the stakeholders, whether it's employees or customers or supply chain, is something that in general had a very low priority and certainly a low focus prior to the pandemic. Now it's square and central in what's going on. And I think the getting the most out of everybody through empowering them tools and the trust and the way of working in general leads to a more satisfying way of life. I think there's still there's still some way to go to find out, again, in, in the words of the new normal, what that balance will be between face-to-face. Uh, a friend of mine who ran uh, you know, a big bit of business, a couple of billion pounds a year of investment and staff across all five continents, had to go to a face-to-face meeting last week, mm. and he said he almost had forgotten what to do, even though he spent his whole life doing that. I think we need to relearn a lot of the skills in a way that's going to be fruitful going forward. I think there'll be less routine meetings, less more emphasis on upskilling people, which will have an effect ultimately on productivity. UK productivity has barely moved forward in 50 years. Um, this might well be the jolt mm. that causes tech to be embraced more fully, that enables management skills to be embraced more fully, and for efficiencies to improve. So, yes, I think it will have a major lasting effect for those who embrace these changes. Yeah, certainly addressing the digital skills gap is going to be more crucial than ever going forward. And just thinking about especially some of those younger people, ones that you might work with um, yourself that are out there at the moment, there'll be many of them that are sort of looking at their 
employment prospects, what they have to look forward to, and maybe a bit downhearted by the impact of COVID on the economy. But as a business leader yourself, what would your advice be to that younger generation of people to really get them to pick up their heads, look at the opportunities out there and embark on the road to success, as it were? Well, I think that the two uh, bits of advice that I, I give to people in that situation, and we do have quite a large cohort of, of 18 to 25-year-olds in our sort of business life, is one, uh, look at you as a person and look at what you're doing to stand out from the crowd in terms of non-academic uh, tasks, whether it's charitable, whether it's sporting, whatever, what are you doing as a person that will stand out loud and clear in the new world? And secondly, I think to make sure that you get the best academic results that you're able to achieve, because I think one thing is fairly certain that part of the UK's strength is of innovation, it's of uh, starting new businesses, it's of leading the way, whether it's in, in tech or pharmaceuticals or whatever. And so giving yourself the best possible chance to stand out from the crowd is more important than ever. I think given that, there will still be a strong demand for good candidates. I think that's very right for sure. And just going back to sort of the origin story of um, Ness, as it were, of course, you've been around since uh, 2012 under the B2B properties name, now trading under the uh, the Ness brand. And I remember that when the business first appeared back in the uh, the Parliamentary Review not long back, of course, Indispensable Guide to Best Practice, there was a Churchill quote that was famously used in that piece. And it was, we shape our dwellings and afterwards our dwellings shape us. And that was a mantra that was really taken forward by the business. Now, thinking about someone like Churchill, I'm interested to understand who some of those influential figures have been to you personally throughout your career, Ian. And are there any leadership figures that maybe you and your sort of fellow leadership team have really looked up to to sort of help you as you've gone forward? Not necessarily just during the pandemic, but also before that as the business was really getting off the ground. Uh, yes, yes. we. Uh we looked at to many people and find uh, words that really resonate with us. Um, the other one of Churchill's ones, not that I'm a, a Churchill fanatic, but mm. uh, you know, when the tough gets, when the going gets tough, keep going. Um, if you're on the right strategy, if you're on the right plan, and it will get tough, but that's not necessarily the right time to stop and change. I think the the absolutely critical thing is to make sure there's an absolutely clear... First of all, you have a strategy, uh, and one always looks to Sun Tzu for that, mm -hmm. to make sure that your strategy is more uh, robust, resilient, uh, whatever your business objectives are, than that of the competition. And so, first of all, have an absolutely clear strategy, a clear mission statement written down, Writing these things down, it's, it's always something that's hard for a business to do, but I think it's absolutely crucial. Uh, then translate that into some absolutely clear plans so that you can A, measure what's going on, and B, communicate that 
clearly to all the people involved to the, to the extent they need to. Uh, and we still very much do look to uh, buildings and the structure in which people live and uh, of how we can help that. And, of course, for the new stuff we're doing, we're building in uh, quite comprehensive home working spaces, recognising that young professionals or students will be doing more work from home than perhaps they ever were before. Mm. And so we're creating a structure that matches what we believe the lifestyle will be going forward. And you mentioned as well that there is an immense entrepreneurial spirit in the UK, and that is something that we're certainly going to need to see going forward as the economy recovers. We've seen innovation on an unprecedented scale already during this time. That will have to continue. And one of the key quotes that has always stuck with me, um, certainly throughout uh, my um, professional life, is um, when bringing your team together, and building a business. I think it was Nelson Mandela. He said, you should surround yourself with people who are better than you, more knowledgeable, perhaps. And that is one of the best pieces of advice I think you can give to an aspiring young entrepreneur or leader, isn't it? Make sure you get the right people around you because that is vital. I couldn't agree more. And back in the, in the very early days of a couple of businesses ago, uh, um, relatively wise sage asked me how I would judge success and I said that that day will come when the board suggests that I'm no longer the best person to run the place and there's other people far far better skilled to take it forward so having got the business up and running and to a certain level uh, the fact that you've got better people around you will be a measure of having succeeded in getting that business to be successful and we still hold with that. And sort of thinking about your own sort of business journey a little bit more specifically now, if you were able to sort of go back 10 years, Ian, um, and sort of give some advice to the younger version of yourself, is there anything that you would tell yourself to do differently based on that experience that you have now? That's uh, strange. It's something I do keep coming back to. Um, I think that the one piece of advice I would pass to a, a younger Ian Taylor is to make sure you enjoy the journey as much as you're focused on getting to the far end. Mm. Enjoy the people around you. Enjoy uh, the stage you're at rather than being a slave to the, to the plans and to try and get to whether it's an exit or whatever your your business objective is is to uh, and, and share some goodwill with those around you uh, because they're the ones that are going to make it happen. So perhaps being I uh, no, self-admittance time, I'm generally quite task-oriented. I think spending more time being more people-oriented, and especially in the current uh, new normal, will become the key skills to follow. So, yes, I think I would, uh, I wouldn't say I would work less hard. I would try to work more effectively uh, than all the hours we put in earlier on in, in one's career. Mm. It's about being efficient, but also taking that time out when you need to as well, isn't it? Linking back to that mental health discussion that we had earlier. And that's something when you're 
when you're sort of tied up in the hectic world of running a business that can become quite difficult understanding when to take a step back. Um, in your position, just how easy do you find that to take a moment to almost switch off when you need to? Um, I think the last six months have taught one to because in in the uncertain times we've we've just been through, there wasn't a blueprint to follow. Mm. There wasn't a plan to, to look at. So you had to... Uh, the, the techniques I used, and it's, I, I'm an engineer by training, and so I'm used to frameworks. And so I'd look at short, the medium, and the long term and make sure that I'm doing something to address the needs of each of those areas every day. So to make sure that you don't get bogged down in just doing short-term stuff and forget that there will be a future no matter what. And we need to use our skill and judgment to make sure we're well positioned for whatever the future brings along. So, yeah, time to reflect, but mentally to throw yourself into a different time frame and say, look, for in a five years' time, where will what do we think the business will look like then? And what are we doing to achieve that and get ourselves in a good position to, to get there? And just reflecting on something else that we've talked about throughout the discussion as well, we've talked a lot about learnings from the uh, the pandemic and how that's really helped shape this generation of business leaders. Do you think, therefore, that good leadership is something that can be learnt as one goes through life? Or to an extent, do you think some people are born as great leaders? I believe leadership is something which is is partly part of one's makeup. But I believe that the skills can be enhanced and brought out by the experiences you put yourself through, whether it's formal education whether it's taking a role as captain of the sports team or uh, other ways in which you... And with the uh, social media now, one can be a considerable introvert but still be a thought leader by the role you take on social media. So I'd say the tools now open to people are much, much broader. And for those who are so inclined, they should appraise what their own personal styles are in the way that Myers-Briggs and other people did 30 years ago and decide what their leadership style is and what type of communication is most appropriate and to to develop something distinctive about what you do. So I I think that the the range of opportunities open to people now, on one side it's frightening, but on the other side it's a whole new set of opportunities there isn't a single path to follow. There are lots of different paths. I think people just have to um, think for themselves or, or get a mentor or attend courses or talk to their friends about how they can benefit personally and as a, as a team player as effectively as possible in this, in this new world. 
I think that's very right. And I think that's certainly sound advice indeed for anybody looking to sort of make their own way in business or become a leader within their own right. Um, And another question I'm going to ask as well, Ian, just because we see so often how the buck stops with leaders and that leaders do have to be sort of prone to criticism uh, whenever it may come their way. Do you think that leadership is indeed as celebrated as maybe it should be in the UK as well? The UK is a very strange culture. Uh, I've been lucky enough to work in, in several different cultures through my career, uh, and they, they're all strange. Is leadership celebrated? Um, I think increasingly so is, is my take on it. I think the UK is becoming more of a meritocracy than perhaps it has been in the past. Mm. I think with the importance of uh being more responsible for yourself, both within a corporation and, and in life, I believe that the, the people who are, have good leadership skills have more opportunity now than ever before to become uh, successful and respected. I still think that there's quite a lot of gaps that need to be filled, but by and large, I think leadership and Entrepreneurialism, innovation, startups are now a bigger facet and a bigger importance in in the wider population than perhaps it was 10, 15 years ago. Mm. And it's certainly going to be the case that they're going to be crucial facets going forward. And I would like to talk about moving forwards just before we do wrap things up on the show, Ian, because I am conscious that we're beginning to run short of time. Um, I know that we don't have a crystal ball before us right now, but if you could look ahead to the next 12 months, hopefully by which time we'll have emerged from this horrible COVID, um, what do you think the next 12 months are going to hold for yourselves at Nest and what is it that you're really hoping to achieve as a business during that time? We are very, very buoyant about what the future holds. We we believe the UK, having gone through three or four years now of of soul-searching with Brexit, with the pandemic, I believe that the, the country is of a mind to to move forwards again. If we take the normal sort of economic cycle of seven years, uh, it was something of a boom. Uh, it, it went down in the 07, 08 time frame, a small sort of peak going up to 14, 15. The last couple of years have been fairly horrible. So we see at the macro level and that you know, that will translate its way through to many parts of society we're in for a, a very exciting, buoyant time. I think those that are, are busy and those that dedicate themselves to, to wanting to be successful will be in for a, a fantastic future. It's all about, of course, showing that determination and that desire to better oneself now, isn't it, and make sure you're future-proofed for the challenges that are going to come on the horizon, because COVID certainly won't be the last that we uh, that we face. And I think as we start to see some of these changings taking shape for Nest, for sure, Ian, I actually think it would be wonderful to welcome you back onto the show with us, just to see how some of your own plans inside the business are really starting to come to fruition. And we can also just discuss at that point exactly what shape the UK and the wider world is starting to take as well. I would look forward to that very much indeed.
Likewise, Ian, and I must thank you again for taking the time to join us. It's been a certainly um, enlightening um, and thoroughly enjoyable discussion for myself. And most importantly as well, since we're not quite out of the woods with COVID-19 yet, please do take care and stay safe with all that's still going on. And I would like to extend that to everybody else within the business too. Thank you very much and to your team as well. And that also goes for all of the listeners tuning into this afternoon's podcast as well. Please do continue to be considerate of others and look after yourselves because it does make such a key difference in saving lives. And of course, do stay optimistic because better times certainly are coming. I was speaking to Ian Taylor, CFO at Nest, and I hope you all thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Until next time, since sadly all of the pubs and wider hospitality establishments remain closed, I'll be sat in my front room and raising a glass to outstanding leadership and hopefully I'll be able to reoccupy my usual corner within the Westminster Arms soon. Remember, better times are ahead. Please, in the meantime, look after yourselves and be considerate of others because it does make such a difference in saving lives. Until next time, take care and goodbye.